my purpose is to amplify local voices. So I'm interested in creating ways to support people who want to tell the stories of the place where we live and who want to make observations of the world from the place where we live. Thanks for tuning in to the Purposeful Story Podcast, where purpose drives our actions and our actions are a result of our purpose. When you have a strong enough purpose, every action you take in life has meaning and power to it. Every entrepreneur is on a journey to fulfill their purpose, and the world needs to hear it. So without further ado, let's get right into the show. So today we have Karen Unland on the show. This woman is absolutely relentless in what she does. And Karen, she's all about creating sustainable methods to support um, the many creatives um, in Alberta, and I'd say probably across the country as well. Um, she has a really interesting journey that I'll have her talk more about. Um, but essentially, she's she's gotten to a point where she's created her own podcast network for podcasters, and she actually offers them multiple supports through income, um, education, um, sponsors as well. She started off with a, a background in journalism, I believe, um, yeah. and it's just led to led to amazing accomplishments. Accomplishments, I should say. And um, that I'm sure she'll dive into as well. So, Karen, thanks for coming on the show today. Well, thanks so much for having me and for all your kind words. That's really nice. <laughs> no problem. No problem. Um, so, I guess let's start off with where you, you were born. Like, I always like to start from the beginnings. Where were you born? Sure. I, I was born in Jasper, Alberta. So, in the Rocky Mountains. And... Um, when I was two, we moved a little bit further east to Edson, and most of my life I've spent in Alberta. Okay, interesting. Where where in Alberta specifically? Mostly Edmonton, okay. yeah. So I grew up in Edson, which is a little resource town uh, in central Alberta, and, and then moved to Spruce Grove in grade nine, which is a suburb of Edmonton, and I moved to Edmonton to go to university. And went to the University of Alberta and got a Canadian Studies degree. And then I came out to the great province of Ontario uh, to do my master's degree in journalism at Carleton. Mm-hmm. And spent three uh, three years in central Canada, working in Ontario, going to school and working in Ontario and Quebec. And then I came home to Alberta in 1997. Interesting, interesting. And... So, okay, so why, why did you choose Canadian Canadian Studies? What was the reason behind that? Uh, so I had decided when I was 10 years old that I wanted to be a journalist. And there's no there was no journalism program at the University of Alberta. So I decided what I would do is get an undergraduate degree there. And I actually did my undergrad at um, what was called then Faculté Saint-Jean. So it's a French language faculty and that that was one of the Bachelor of Arts programs that they had there. So I just thought that would be a good grounding in the kind of work that I wanted to do, knowing that when I was done that degree, my intention was to go and pursue a Master's of Journalism at a journalism school. Oh, and why age of 10? That's such a young age to just really know what you wanted to do. Is there anything that sparked that interest? Uh, yeah. Well, maybe. <laughs> I, I liked to write, and I could not um, imagine a way to um, be a writer and still get paid other than being a journalist. 
not sure that's even still the case anymore. <laughs> but um, that was just my little practical mind thinking. Well, I like writing. I like current events. I like paying attention to what's going on in the world. Uh, I'm just going to be a journalist. And I'm sort of a single-minded person in that way. So once I had made up my mind, I just organized my whole life around that goal and just uh, kept working at the... Uh, like I worked at the Gateway, which is the student newspaper at the University of Alberta, and then made my way to, to actual journalism school. Okay, nice. And, you know, journalism is one of those fields where I feel like you're almost forced to be creative. It's not as streamlined as maybe nursing might be or engineering, right? When you go into journalism, it's like there's always a bigger purpose other than money, I feel like. Um, yeah, I I always tell people it's kind of you 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 it's kind of a vocation. You get called to do it, like priests get called to the priesthood, um, and it's kind of good because you feel like you have a purpose when you're doing that. You you it's very clear what the mission is. It's very clear what you're there for and why you're working so hard. The um, challenge I think is because we feel called to do journalism and we love it so much. We tend to get kind of underpaid for that kind of work. And a lot of people who move into communications, um, they realize that, oh, I could work more human hours and actually get paid more for doing the thing that I'm doing. But you have less, less of a mission and less of a purpose sometimes when you're doing that kind of work. Mm -hmm. I can imagine. I can imagine. So after graduating from journalism, what was your, your first venture? What was your... Like, what did you want to do after you graduated, even? Well, I was lucky in that I graduated from uh, Carleton in 1996, and that was just at the beginning of uh, the internet uh, having a big effect. And it wasn't really having a big effect on journalism and media at that time. So uh, the path was a lot clearer then. And what would tend to happen is you go to journalism school, you would do summer internships at uh, newspapers or TV stations or radio stations. And if you impress people there, then you would get hired on to a contract or maybe even full time. And so that was more or less my experience. So I graduated from Carleton in 96, uh, had a summer internship at the Globe and Mail. And after that four month summer internship, um, they needed somebody to cover for a paternity leave in Montreal. And I, I was bilingual because I went to school in French. And so I went to Montreal and worked for the Globe and Mail's uh, Montreal Bureau. And, um, and then at the end, the reporter that I was uh, filling in for came back to work. And so, but based on that experience, I was able to get a job uh, at the Edmonton Journal so I could come home and pursue my work there. Okay. And how did all of this translate into the Alberta Podcast Network? Ah, um, so I was a journalist at the Hampton Journal for 14 years. And then I, in 2011, decided that I uh, could had done all that I could do there. And so I left the business and decided to be an entrepreneur, but very naively. I didn't really know how to run a business or how to find a market for what I was doing. Luckily, I had enough contacts that I was able to cobble together a lot of work or enough work to live. And I, I did a, 
a big project that was connected to, um, or that was run by Post Media, which owns the Empton Journal, that put me in contact with local entrepreneurs, and that gave me a better sense of what I was supposed to really be doing. Um, and then I also uh, just was became more and more aware of all the local independent media producers in my city, first bloggers and then increasingly podcasters. And I wanted to find a way to draw attention to their work and, if possible, find a way for them to be at least compensated a little bit so that they would keep going because it's really, really important to me that we um, – Find a way, find lots of new ways to support uh, the local media ecosystem because the mainstream media sources are, are in trouble and they're kind of drying up and I don't want us to be without the institutions that pay attention to where we live. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you you have you have an enormous background in, in working with people and just working in the podcast, podcast in, industry. Um, why do you think... Because podcasts have been around for a while, but what has caused the, the resurgence of podcasts in today's day and age? I think that the tools for consuming podcasts and the tools for creating podcasts have both become a lot more accessible. So there's more and more people who are both listening and who are interested in creating their own. I think some of those original pioneers in podcasting who started in the early 2000s um, they had to be quite technically adept to figure out how to do it. And um, there was a lot, it was just way harder to do then than it is now. I'm not technically adept. I barely know how to do it, but I do I know enough in order to, you know, get my voice recorded on a thing and put it in the feed where other people can hear it. Interesting. Interesting. And you have your own podcast too. Correct? I do, yeah. So when I came up with the idea to start the Alberta Podcast Network, I started a podcast because I needed to have credibility in that space, and I also wanted to learn um, how to do it. Uh, so my first podcast was called Seen and Heard in Edmonton, and it was an interview show with lo local bloggers and podcasters. And so it was just a way to shine a light on what those independent media producers were doing and also helped me build some relationships with people that I wanted to be working with in the future. So I did that for uh, quite a few years from 2015 to 2017. And, but as you know, an interview show is a lot of work. <laughs> you have to organize um, not only your own time, but your guests time. And it had kind of run its course, like it had done for me what I needed it to do, because by then I had the funding to get the podcast network going. And I'll tell you more about that if you want later. But um, in the meantime, um, I had st I started a podcast with my daughter and it's called That's a Thing. And she, she's 17 now when she, when we started, she was 15 and she would just tell me about stuff that she was watching on YouTube or things that she was doing online, um, that I had no idea about, like they were completely under my radar as an old mom. <laughs> so, um, and she, my daughter loves listening to podcasts as much as I did. And so we just thought, let's turn on the mics when we're having these conversations where I'm asking her, like, what 
even is this? I don't understand. And she explains it to me. Okay. And that was, and also my, I guess my follow-up question, question that you brought up, um, can you more thoroughly explain what the Alberta Podcast Network is? And how did you even come to create this network? Right. So in around 2015, I was kind of reaching the end of a contract and thinking, what do I want to do next? And I was finding more and more locally made podcasts. And it was clear to me that the existing business models then were never going to really work for these people who might have a podcast about local dance or a podcast about current events in Edmonton or something like that. And there was just never going to be 50 to 100,000 downloads for that show, no matter how good it was. And, and that meant that, you know, traditional big ad sales weren't possible. And I also knew that a lot of those creators didn't have time or energy to go pound the pavement themselves to try to find sponsors. So then, um, I thought maybe if we could get a whole bunch of these little podcasts together, that creates a little bit more of a interesting proposition for a potential sponsor. So I had a chance in the summer of 2015 to workshop this idea through an entrepreneurial journalism program that was run in New York. And I just kind of figured out what, what the business model could be and what would need to be done in order to make that happen and kind of built the relationships and built the, the idea about how we would enact that. Very inspired by the um, Chicago Podcast Co-op, which Cards Against Humanity created in Chicago to support local podcasters there. Card, and Cards I just Against thought, Humanity, the board game? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, it was just like a weird offshoot thing that they decided to do to... Um, activate the local community and and um, they had a podcast studio I think in their office and so anyway they created this opportunity for local businesses to pay into a pot from which local podcasters would be would be paid for running ads and I just thought maybe there's something we can do around that here and so I worked on that idea um, realized that I needed more time and money to make it happen and so then I got an opportunity to pitch the idea to ATB Financial which is a um, financial institution here in Alberta and um, kind of sold them on the idea of making this network come to life as part of their marketing and they said yes. Wow and how how did you sell them on that idea? Like you're going to a big financial institution to convince them about something that they're really unfamiliar with. Like how, how, yeah. how did that go about? <laughs> um, well, some of it was luck. Um, I knew some people there and I got myself invited to a meeting in December of 2015 to um, kind of hear their new brand so they were unveiling this idea of ATB listens and they had a whole bunch of people in the room um, local media outlets some big national media outlets and little me with one podcast and a blog at the time 
And they just said, this is our platform. This is our idea. We want to tell everybody in Alberta that ATB listens. And we want to do that in an unusual, in unusual ways because just straight up advertising is like the opposite of listening. And we want to hear from you guys in this room, creative ways of demonstrating that it's true, that ATB listens. And so I just kind of took that idea and said, well, I feel like an Alberta-based podcast network does that and outlined the vision that I had for them and then just talked, went back and forth with them for a year and a half, um, just refining. Yeah, it took a long time. (laughs) But just refining the idea and understanding better what they needed in order to say yes. And in May of 2017, closed the deal. Interesting. And for any for anyone who's looking for any type of sponsorship or even just pitching their idea in general, what are the main things that an investor or the person who's actually sponsoring or the person you're pitching to, what, what are the main things they'd be looking for in an individual that you in your experience? So first of all, you need to be able to figure out how you're solving a problem for them, even though their money is solving the problem for you right? Mm. But they don't, they can't care about that. So you have to find a way to make it clear to them that your thing is going to help them accomplish a a goal that's important to them. Mm -hmm. A lot of sponsorship conversations will end up in the sort of a realm of numbers, right? So if you are talking to people who you might be wanting to get to sponsor your podcast or your network or whatever, you might end up them saying, well, what's your reach? How many people, how many downloads do you have? And if you're little, you're not going to have a very big number. And if you're not careful, that marketing decision maker will decide it's too small. I'm not going to put time or money into this. So really, and this is very connected to your podcast, I think, you have to sell them on your purpose and on your mission. And you have to kind of enlist them in the fact that not only are you going to reach people and you're going to reach people in the very effective way that podcasting does, but you're going to make happen this important thing that knits our community together and shares important information and connects you know, these audience members to you in a way that you can't do any other way. Interesting. That's, that's some powerful stuff. I mean, for you to go and pitch to an organization that had no idea about podcasts and just be willing to go through that for a year and a half. That's, that's, that's very, very impressive. I commend you. Oh. On that. <laughs> You're welcome. At the time, as I was living on my line of credit and wondering what on earth am I doing this for instead of having a real job, I'm not sure I felt that great all the time. But. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's that's one thing I always mention to the Purposeful Story family that, um, you know, sacrifice definitely has to be made to, to achieve, fulfill your purpose, right? And um, there's no shortcuts to fulfill your purpose, and you, you definitely didn't take any. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's really impressive. So, I mean, in terms of, I don't even know if you can answer this question. How much were you able to secure in terms of financing for, for your company? Is that something you're able to share? Sure. So in those, um, that initial deal was uh, $250,000 over two years. Wow. So that enabled me to work full time on um, creating that podcast and then pay out 
to our podcasters, uh, $25 per episode, which is what we pay them. And then to do the marketing and the other, you know, travel and all the other expenses of doing, putting the podcast network together. So, um, yeah, that's, that, that was the, the initial contract. Okay. Amazing stuff. And what's next for, for Karen Unlin and the Alberta Podcast Network? Well, we're, I mean, we're at 41 members right now. Um, I've got a big long list of people waiting in the wings who would like to join the network. And so I've got to um, go through them and, and see who would be a good fit. We're always interested in signing on other sponsors and developing other revenue streams because no business should only have one source of money. And so we have other sponsors that we promote on our network and I'm developing some other um, products and services and workshops for people to buy. And otherwise, just keep growing and keep uh, connecting the community and helping um people find each other and find podcasting and all that kind of stuff. Okay. And what would you say is your, your favorite? I mean, I'm sure you don't want to be biased, but what, what are some podcasts that are really unique and interesting within your network? Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Well, your instinct is right. I can't pick my favorite because I can't. Have. Yeah. <laughs> we have a podcast in our network called um, putting it together. And it is, a podcast that's about the music of Stephen Sondheim, who writes Broadway musicals. And he's just going through the entire body of work of Stephen Sondheim song by song. So um, it's just super, super, super niche, um, but I love it. <laughs> and uh, I happen to be a, a Sondheim fan, so I, of course I would, mm -hmm. but I just love the idea. I think it's an example of what... Um, how podcasting can help find kind of um, let people go really, really deep on something that they're passionate about. And Kyle Marshall, who um, hosts that show, he's found Sondheim's fans all over the world who call in and talk to him about the songs. So mm -hmm. I love that one. And then there's another one, our, probably our biggest podcast uh, is called Bollywood is for Lovers. And it's just about Bollywood movies done by a couple in Edmonton who are not of Indian descent, but they just love Bollywood movies a lot. And they talk about that every two weeks. And they have actually have quite a huge following in India and Pakistan. As a business owner, the more you can leverage your time, the better it is for your company. There is this amazing online resource called Fiverr, where you can hire someone for just $5 to do just about any task for you. Whether it be logo design, market research, videography, or website building, Fiverr has it all. Please go to imkobe.com forward slash resources and click on the Fiverr icon to make an account. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Welcome to the Purpose Round, where we ask our entrepreneurs the right questions that really bring out the purpose behind their business and their entrepreneurial journey. Karen, what is your purpose as an entrepreneur? My purpose is to amplify local voices. So I'm interested in creating ways to support people who want to tell the stories of the place where we live 
and who want to make observations of the world from the place where we live. What is an everyday habit that adds value to your purpose? Being intentional about how I'm spending my time and making sure that I'm pursuing my own to-do list instead of working out of my email inbox. Well put. If you could have a conversation with one person, who would it be and why, living or dead? I'd really love to be able to talk to my grandpa again. Um, So my grandpa has passed away, but he was an entrepreneur um, and he's kind of the only person in my family who was. And he passed away before I became an entrepreneur. So I'd love to be able to talk to him about the, the, the big risks that he took in his life and just compare and contrast to what, whatever I'm doing. Okay. seems like you probably got, got a bit of his genes. Those entrepreneurial <laughs> genes. Maybe. What is your main strategy for organizing your day? Um, I have, I, I use a wonder list to kind of group my various functions that I need to do in a given day. And then I try to make sure that I'm spending a big chunk of my day on business development because uh, it's most important to find ways to bring money in so that we have more oxygen for the whole business to live on. And then just trying to avoid context shift and flitting from one thing to the next. So I try to be very focused about whatever I'm doing at any given time. What was your worst entrepreneurial moment and what did you learn from it? Oh, you ask hard questions. (laughs) It brings out the best answers. Well, I don't know if this was the worst moment, but this was like a moment of truth, I guess. So I told you it took 18 months to to kind of seal this deal with uh, ATB. And it shouldn't have taken, I shouldn't have let it be that long because I was out of money really long before that happened. So I, there were several moments at which I had kind of drawn a line in my, in, a, in the sand for myself and for my family and said, like, if we can't finish this by this date, I've got to give up and go get a job or find a different thing to do or, or a different, like, start the process of trying to find another sponsor or something. Even then, like, I was out of money and out of time to do that. So it's just like, I can't hang on anymore. I just have to give up. And then I could never let myself give up. <laughs> just mm-hmm. always felt like we're so close. And, you know, meantime, I was like teaching and cobbling together contracts and, and finding ways for us to keep house and home together. But probably like the first time that we had to dig into our savings or our, our line, mortgage line of credit in order to... Um, make it possible to, to pay the bills that month that was like a bad moment and I don't I can't I don't think I I just decided to keep going and I'm not sure well I, now it's easy to say oh I'm glad I kept going but at the time I'm not sure that was the wisest decision but that's what I did mm-hmm. it seems like you probably like you got to like a low low point and you you might have realized like is this if this is as low as it can get there's only 
up to go from here. So you kind of like, it's like almost like you've seen the lowest point. So it's like there's nothing else stopping you to a certain extent. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I'm just, some of it is stubbornness and some of it is hope. And some of it is just lack of imagination. Like what else could I do? (laughs) (laughs) It's, I mean, I also, like I have to, whatever I do, I have to not just keep myself alive, but my family as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have two kids and I have a husband who has some health challenges. And so I'm, I'm our breadwinner. So I I can't be stupid. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes I have been a little bit stupid, but um, I've managed to get through. Okay. If you had to build a business from the ground up with only a hundred dollars, how would you leverage that? idea but i'm gonna listen to all of your episodes to hear what other people do i'm terrible at making money i'm actually only good at coming up with like huge purpose and huge mission and huge like big ideas and then i try to find the money to make them happen which i don't recommend Mm -hmm. well i mean that's that's definitely the start that's definitely the start (laughs) And I've never heard that answer. That's actually a great answer. I'll listen to what other people have said. That's not a, that's not a bad answer because there's been some interesting things that have been said. So I um, bet, yeah. <laughs> Which app or online tool do you use every day to help contribute to your success? I use Slack every day because uh, that's what I communicate with our podcasters with. Uh, so that's a really important thing to keep my in my email inbox from getting too crazy. And just to, to keep everybody on the same page and delivering on what we've promised and um, and just feeling connected and communicated with. I mean, it's, it's really important that I make sure that my podcasters uh, feel looked after, I guess. And so that's my tool for doing that. All right. What's the best advice you've ever received? I'll go back to my grandpa again. He said, uh, "You meet the you meet the same people coming down as you met met going up. So be nice on the way up because you're gonna meet those same people on the way down." And it's just like what he was saying by that is there's never a good reason for you to to be uh, mean or dismissive or to treat poor people poorly and it's not even in your best interest to do that. List your top three most influential books. Oh, okay. Um, well, one book that helped me a lot was To Sell is Human by Daniel Pink. Uh, I told you my background was in journalism. That really um, is almost the opposite of a business education and so I needed at a certain point to teach myself how to sell and that book was really valuable um I read The Lean Startup by Eric Ries and I think there's a lot of beneficial things in there around uh, not spending a whole bunch of time building something out before you know whether there's even uh, market or interest in it and I think there was, I can't remember the name of this book exactly, but it's called something like Coaching the Artist Within. The author's name is Maisel, M-A-I-S-E-L. 
And it was just really good about, it's a good book for people who want to be creative and um, look after themselves. Tell us something that you think is true about business that most people don't agree with you on. Um, oh, I don't know what people agree with me on. <laughs> I don't know at all. I think people who aren't entrepreneurs and people who don't have to sell things for a living think that there's something sort of, I don't know, um, distasteful about that or, or um, they don't like to get their hands dirty. And it doesn't have to be dirty and you don't have to lose your morals or your ethics. You just have to make sure that what you're selling is something that you believe in and that you can, you honestly think that you can help people with what you're doing. Uh, and if you honestly believe that, then it's easy to sell it. Is there any last piece of value you can leave with our listeners? I think if you help other people, there will be dividends that come from that, that you can't even imagine at the time. So, uh, Always take an opportunity to be generous if you can. And how can the Purposeful Story family reach out to you and follow you on your entrepreneurial journey? So they can visit Alberta Podcast Network at albertapodcastnetwork.com. And we are Alberta Podnet on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can also find me on Twitter, Karen Unland. That's at K-A-R-E-N-U-N-L-A-N-D. All right. So thank you for coming on the show today, Karen. Thank, thanks so much for having me, Kobe. I really enjoyed talking to you. No problem. And thank you, Purposeful Story family, for listening to the Purposeful Story podcast. And remember, live every day with purpose so all your actions are clear. Talk soon. That's all for this episode. I hope listening to this podcast left you with valuable information that either strengthened your purpose or helped bring you closer to finding your purpose. We all have a different journey in life, and this podcast is in support of everyone's purposeful journey. Thank you so much for tuning in, because without you, there is no Purposeful Story podcast. Please feel free to email me at info at iamkobe.com and let me know what you thought of this episode. To help spread the valuable information this podcast has to offer, all I ask is for you to subscribe to the podcast via the Apple Podcast app, Podcast Addict, Google Play Music, or CastBox, give a rating, and pass this podcast on to one friend that you feel could benefit from this information. Don't forget to follow I Am Kobe Talks on Instagram for updates on new episodes and go to iamkobe.com forward slash purposeful story for more valuable content. Special thanks to DJ Anna for the beats and Lala Wrights for the editing. Before you go, please remember that purpose drives your actions and your actions are a result of your purpose. Thanks again for listening. Talk soon.